listening to Mind of the Alpha, raw, unedited, and straight from the wolf's mouth. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Bobby, and I'm back here in the den. I've got Corey D here with me. Corey, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, man? Tell us who you are and, and uh, why you're, why the hell you're in the den with me. Yeah, yeah. So this is Corey D uh, from Grandma's Front Porch. I'm sure some of you guys have heard of me there. Um, That's yeah, Bobby, I'm, I'm just... So everybody knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's, that's the name that's... of my uh, podcast, yeah. Okay. Um, so um, I'm really here because, man, I've been really diving deep into the East Palestine thing. A lot of things are concerning to me. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, you... And then I just want to, you know, also real quick before we get started, Bobby, I just want to, you know, uh, um, you know, these people deserve an answer. And that's that's part of the reason I'm on here talking about this right now. And, you know, also it's uh, concerning to me that we, as the people, have to even do this you know as far as like remind people that the government sometimes of what mm-hmm. we the people actually mean you know right. and companies as well you know so yeah i mean the the thing is man is that anytime revenue is involved with anything um you know making money or anything or capitalism's involved and it the people are going to suffer so i mean definitely uh feeling for those people up there man i mean it's been a crazy month for them and and i couldn't even imagine what they're going through so um and, and nobody else really can either i mean what what you know what else do you know Corey, that that we've uh experienced ever in the united states that's as bad as this potential um problem that we're we're seeing here oh yeah well i got a couple examples that uh they don't compare to the size of this thing at all but they could compare as far as severity in my opinion right um and that's why I make clear they, these are my opinions, but you know, I have I only draw conclusions from um a very, very strict uh critical thinking process. You know what I'm saying? As far as like to me, man, I, I don't believe necessarily in anything. It's it's what's more probable to me. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean yeah, so um, I, I kind of hmm. lean sometimes towards the uh conspiracy side of things just because i can see through a lot of bullshit you know what i mean but right I, uh i do see what you're saying i mean there's definite definite times where you need to take those scientific opinions and and research into something before you just blurt it out and say it or you're gonna end up you know talking shit about shit you don't know anything about so um definitely understand that man so you've been digging though you've been telling me all week you've been digging what have you found man yeah well um really is this is um you know i believe in my opinion that um you know mike dewine had a very inaccurate response to this um in my opinion you know the the question i have is this right if you have an ecological disaster that happens in a town right what do you think the first thing you should do is contain i would do right I would probably evacuate the entire town and get them out of there and then Mm -hmm. and call various governmental agencies. I mean, I guess it depends on my role, but yeah, go ahead, man. I I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Well, for me, as you know, just researching all this stuff, uh, what I understand is, you know, usually you would think containment first because you think about it, you want to contain 
the the damage. And then, as you said, evacuate the town. Correct. Because you think about it, there's two examples from this, right, the, where they actually understood this. And then, uh, you know, the response is still kind of inaccurate as far as, like, what they actually did here. These two, too. And it shows you got um, Love Canal. You, uh, there's a town. It's right out. Uh, it's really close to Niagara Falls. Right. That's 1955. You, you guys can Google that. And then also there's uh, uh, you got a town called Trines Beach, Missouri in 1985. All right. The reason uh, what happened at both of these towns is that they had what was uh, called dioxin contamination. Are you familiar with dioxin, Bobby? Um, I, I am to a certain extent. I mean, I've heard of it mm -hmm. and I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So dioxin's really, really crazy chemical, man. Uh, very unique from what I've seen, at least from my research. Um, and mind you, I'm no, no means an expert as far as that. I'm just gathering this from other experts. Um, what they tell me is, is man, dioxin, man, these people got, um, they got basically contaminated by this because I guess there was like somebody that got into a chemical barrel of some sort and they sprayed dioxin all over the dirt roads. I don't know why. Maybe they thought it was insecticide. That's that's you know just just a guess. But so just just real quick. So for those of you that out there that don't know what dioxin is, um, mm -hmm. I kind of pulled it up. Dioxin and dioxin-like compounds are a group of chemical compounds that are persistent organic pollutants in the environment. They're mostly by byproducts of burning or various industrial processes. Um, or in case of dioxin-like PCBs and PBBs, unwanted minor components of intentionally produced mixtures. Um, so there, there, there's what a dioxin is. So go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that's helpful. You know, they need to know that. There's also um, a website that anybody can put in any chemical compound. They use it in universities and stuff a lot of times to be able to uh, understand and uh, research that type of stuff. It's called chem spider you know i'll make sure to send you a link to that um yeah. after this too what's uh what's cool about this is that you can type any of this stuff in you'll be able to learn this stuff for yourself education for yourself is important now so they sprayed these dirt roads with this dioxin right these people start dropping like flies dude you get what i'm saying like with health symptoms and it's like well hey what's going on you know so they start trying to see what's going on they start evacuating the town because they found out dioxins were sprayed on dirt roads um, there was roughly, don't quote me in the exact figure, but roughly, uh, I think it was a hundred million dollar cleanup. And then also, uh, they removed roughly 106,000 cubic feet of dirt from that town in Times Beach, Missouri. Um, see, cause you have to remove the contaminated soil in these instances from what I've learned, um, because it'll leach into the rest of the environment. And then, and what's really crazy about that is dioxin. Uh, when it gets into like groundwater, river streams, stuff like that, according to experts I've seen, they tell me that the fish eat it. You know what I'm saying? Because the bottom feeders, right? Right. Yeah, a lot of fish are bottom feeders. You you know that you go fishing all the time, don't you, Bobby? Yeah, I like to fish, man. I want to ask you this: though. Why? So does this dioxin? Does it? So I'm reading. I've got the screen pulled up. I don't know if you can see it. Um, yeah, yeah. I see Times Beach. Yeah. I was kind of reading that. But my question is, does this dioxin, does it sink to the bottom? Is it like heavier than water or something? Or does it not, does it not dis dissipate or, or move downstream or how, well, you know, what, what's the cause of that? Well, according to dioxin experts uh, that I've talked to, they say that it doesn't, um, 
I, I think the word is it doesn't bind with water. Okay. So it sinks like to the bottom. Uh, yeah, kind of, something like that. And I don't know if it's heavier or, or density has playing to play. I don't know. That would be a question for, uh, I think they're called a hydrologist. Mm-hmm. You know, they study like moving water. I think, uh, you know, something like that. But uh, that's something we could Google uh, while we're doing this too. But um, the point is with the dioxin and why it's so concerning is with Times Beach, Missouri, as you see, 22,000 people roughly lived there, right? A town within a week uh, was a population of zero, okay? I, and even though they did this whole cleanup, um, that town is still a ghost town today. It's what, like 50 years now? You know what I'm saying? It's still unlivable. They have signs put up there that literally basically tell you, hey, if you walk in here, you're going to probably die. You know? It's, it's that serious. Um, the people that got evacuated from that town had countless health issues afterwards. Why the hell um, did they spray the roads with it, though? Do, do you do you know? I, my, I have no idea. My best guess would be, you know, this is just a complete, like, left field thing, just, just, just a guess. I don't have anything to substantiate this, but that a farmer probably thought it was insecticide and started spraying the road. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. The only thing I can think of, you know, um, that makes at least common sense without even diving into it. I haven't investigated this one, so. I just know of it. And then, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me that people do not know okay. about dioxin. Here, here's why. So it, it looks like um, the government, uh, the city of, of, uh, of Times Beach, Missouri, um, commissioned to spray oil to keep the dust in check. And it says, oh, wow. In May, in May 1971, a horse arena was sprayed within a couple of days. Horses, cats, dogs, and birds in the surrounding area, surrounding landscape died. As it turned out, later, yeah. the applied elixir was a toxic mixture of oil and chemical waste from Napaco, the Northeastern Pharmaceutical and Chemical Company, Incorporated, which has been producing Agent Orange. Wow. For the. Yeah, Vietnam. from Vietnam. Yeah, so a byproduct of Agent Orange is Tetro. Or, wow, tetrachlorodibenzo-p-dioxin, commonly known as a toxic chemical dioxin. Many roads were sprayed in Times Beach between 1971 and 1976, and the elixir was sold to horse farms, churches, and towns. In 1982, after numerous illnesses, miscarriages, and animal deaths, tests by the United States Environmental Protection Agency showed the Times Beach was contaminated mm-hmm. with dioxin around 100 parts per billion, well above the rate of one part per billion, which EPA considers toxic. Now, listen, listen to something real quick. Stop right there. You see how they talk about parts per billion? Uh-huh. I want to make something very clear that experts also um, reference to me, right? Uh-huh. That isn't necessarily what your personal threshold might be. Right. You understand what I'm saying? That's Everybody has different. Exactly. Everybody has a different health factors. Like, for example, if you look up the average uh, what vitamin D level should be, it's a wide scaled range, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And different people have different health factors that would determine that as well on top of that, you know? Well, it's the same thing with anything else, Corey. Um, you know, it, it, so here, here's the way the government looks at it and all these health departments and everything. And, and we, right. this was proven during the whole pandemic with COVID, right? So you have all these different agencies and what they do is they don't give a shit about, they give a shit about 70% of the population. Okay. When it starts affecting 70% of the population, that's when they start getting upset about it. The other 30%, they don't give a shit about. That's where they base all their numbers off. Of. 
So anytime you see any numbers like, you know, the like vaccines only affect this many people, it's it's based off a small, small percentage of the actual population. And it's never based on just one specific person, because obviously, like you said, we're all different. You know, we're not all the same. So you're going to yeah. we're going to be affected differently than I am. And that's just what, you know, exactly. that's, just, that's just nature. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, what, you know, some of the shit they say, and people don't know this stuff. You know what I mean? They, they just take it. Mm -hmm. They just take their word for it and they don't do any research into it. Oh yeah, they don't, you know, you gotta be self-educated, man. You know, um, cause the things that you learn just through a system, if you rely on just a system for your teaching and learning, then you know what happens? You, you become dull to the rest of the world and things that you can learn from it. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense that you can, you know, that you don't self-educate yourself. I don't get why people don't do that. It's a very, you know, and that's how you de develop critical thinking and risk assessment throughout your life too, you know? Yeah. And that is skills that are kind of like dull knives in your toolkit, you know, and right. they're not sharp for you, then that's going to affect the rest of your life. Right, right. It definitely is. And and the thing is, is our, our entire educational system is set up to create a narrative that they want you to learn. And sometimes it's just not the truth. Mm. A lot of history. Exactly. Is, you know what I mean? Yeah. History's written by the victors, as they say. Right. Right. Yeah. Think about it. And, and people would be naive um, to think that, you know, would you, let me, let me put it this way. I'm going to give you a good metaphor, right? Would you expect Russia to talk bad about itself to its own citizens? Well, no. Okay. Would you expect China to do that? No. 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 What about nobody? England is ever going to do that, or they're not going to be right. power very long. Right. So the things that you've got to self-educate yourself because obviously that's not going to be mainstream. You know, you know what I'm saying? But but Corey, you got to remember, man. We're in the United States. That doesn't happen here, man. Yeah, I'm being I'm being facetious, obviously. Yeah, I know. I know. People, you know, people automatically think because we live in the United States of America that our government's the best thing ever. It's going to do everything they can to protect us. It's going to you know, they don't they don't have any false flag operations, anything like that, you know. So, huh. it, you know, it, well, and those people, I always well, sheep. They got the wool over their eyes. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, people got to remember the first three words of the Constitution. We the people, we are the ultimate checks and balances for our governmental system. We have to exercise those rights and we have to make sure that we put pressure where, where it needs to be, uh, you know, as far as like our knowledge, our data and the things that we're able to bring forward to them as our own peer review to the government. That's the way I would see it. We are part of the peer review process for the government, just like any scientist when they submit something they are peer reviewed by their by their peers right are those not do they not cause constituents you know what i'm saying well man why do, people vote for them? why do you think that they um try to keep us separate you know they okay so why do you think mm -hmm. that they why do you think the fbi incited the uh, january 6th insurrection why do you think there was fbi agents inciting that why do you think that you know during black lives matter protests they were putting pallets of bricks down there and throwing bricks and the FBI was down there. And this is proven. You guys can look it up. There's documents out there showing this. Mm -hmm. the FBI agents were down there throwing bricks through windows to incite violence. The reason why they do that is because if they keep us separate, they keep the people separate. If they keep the blacks on the blacks and the whites on the whites, and we don't agree with each other and we're clashing all the time, 
We can never fucking overthrow their power. Period. Exactly. You as, know, if you think about people, it this way, as a people, yeah. together we are very strong. But separated, exactly. That's how they keep us. That's how they keep us divided and not united. Exactly. All right. And then you know, um, let me break it down this way for you. The United States, when it was formed, name one country or a kingdom, whatever you want to call it. They're all the same things, in my opinion. You know, to, in a logical sense, at least. You know, it's a governed piece of land. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. Uh, that that didn't have a didn't have something that was equivalent to a king. Where was right. there a president of a of a, a democracy before that? You can't. You can't really name one. And you know, with that, we broke the system. You have to understand that we broke a governmental system that was common before then. You was told by a, a Lord Jarl, whatever, you know, that, you know, basically for a funeralistic system, wh- how many kids you're going to have, where to work, you know, what you're going to do the rest of your well, life, they, you know, all doing, that stuff. They're doing that shit in China right now. They had that one kid wall for years now. You couldn't have a daughter. You had to have one son. Guess yeah. what? China's kind of fucked at this point, you know, because they, they're at a point. Yeah, where, they are. You know, most of their population is in their 60s and older. Yeah, what yeah, the birth rate there's crashing hard right now. Plus, they lied about the population density numbers. We yeah, know that now. I posted in the yeah. Facebook group the other day. Yeah, they, overstep- uh, they overestimated no. their population numbers by 100 million people. Yeah, so that's a lot of people. And then you think about it as well. What's very concerning is, um, you know, China produces a lot of plastic, right? A this is important because you have forever chemicals and plastics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so forever chemicals and plastics affect uh, the reproductive system drastically in mammals, we found out, right? Um, there's a great scientist that worked on this. Um, I'll send you her work after there. I don't remember her exact name, but I have the files for this. It's Man, so basically, um, a little TMI for, for the audience, but uh, mammals' taint size, how big it is, you know, your taint, yeah. uh, determines how much sperm you have, right? Right. That's important because these forever chemicals and plastics they found in studies decrease the tank size. Right. Your sperm count level is going to drop, right? Right. They're getting hit hard by that. You know they're not environmental conscious at all. See, people, people harp on the United States when it comes to the environmental uh, pollution and stuff, but honestly, China is egregious. And you know, they also the make most of the electric car batteries there too. You know, there's a lot of lot, lot of plastics in that as well. Yeah, but the problem with that, Corey, is is the United States sent over all of our production and shit to China. Okay, so we are still responsible for a lot of that pollution as the United well, States. Well, because they have that. moved sixty percent of that in the last like what I think five years. Uh, to Mexico. I mean, the United States government understands that. Have so. you ever seen Mexico City? Oh, yeah, I have. have I know. Have you seen the pollution <laughs> cloud over top of Mexico City? Oh, it's you terrible. Know, oh, I know what you mean. It's just as bad. Yeah, saying, Mexico saying, as far as pollution, people, yeah. People have a legitimate reason to, to bitch about the United States because, yeah, we, we're not polluting our air. I mean, we are, but we're not doing it to the extent the Chinese are, but we're fucking doing yes. these other countries. You know what I mean? We're responsible for this other country. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, let me ask you something, Bobby. Do you believe um, that colonialism is technically dead or no? Do I believe what? I'm sorry. Do you believe colonialism is dead? 
You know what colonialism is? Like, were you colonized? Colonized? Yeah. Yeah. Do I believe it's dead? Yeah. Do you believe it's gone? No longer exists? Mm. I don't know. That's a, that's a touchy subject. I think that we can still yeah. colonize, but colony colonizing is not necessarily a good thing. Well, hold on. Wait a minute. It's not call. It's not you colonizing another place that also determines that that's gone. Think about it. What's the other factor in that? The other factor is is that there's colonies still. You get what I'm saying? Right. You believe there's colonies? Do you believe the United States has colonies? Because I'll tell you what, they have the Marshall Islands. They have Guam. They have. You, you get what I'm saying? Do you believe Mexico is technically treated as a colony? My opinion, sure seems like it at times. And you know, one thing I always question is this about Mexico too. Why is the, um, why don't we really help them out more? You know what I'm saying? Because aren't isn't that a strategic rival that we could build up and have localization of a lot of these things that are made overseas? Well, the, and the also help out somebody who's strategically close to us. The president of Mexico. So back in like the early 2000s, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the it was a different. I can't remember the president's name then. Um. Anyways, he had a motto. It was called, um, uh, what was it? Hug not, hug not war, something like that. When it came to the cartels, okay. And he, we, we, he enlisted mm-hmm. the United States' help. Um, what are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Uh, your video cut out. Um, it, he oh. enlisted the United States' help, like the the, the CIA, the FBI, not the FBI, the CIA. Um, the DEA, that those organizations to help him fight the cartels, because his idea was um, that if he was friendly with the cartels, um, they, they it would lower the um, the violence in the country. OK, mm-hmm. well, when the current president who took office back in, I think, 2018, 2019, around there, um, Obrador, he actually pushed the United States out from helping with the cartels. And his idea of that is to just strike them and try to try basically try to kill the cartel off. So that hurt different strategy. Well, that that hurt relations between the United States and Mexico, right? So mm-hmm. we really can't. I mean, if they're not willing to accept the help, there's there's stipulations to helping other countries. It don't matter where you're at, Ukraine, Taiwan, um, you know, any any other country that we're going to help. There's stipulations, and it's got to w- look good for us too. You know what I mean? And I would I I would beg to defer that I'd say 90% of the time the United States comes out on top of a deal. You know what I mean? When they when they set up help mm-hmm. for another country. So Mexico pushed us. That's out. my point. Yeah. That's exactly my point, right. Bobby. Because look, listen to me, listen to me on this. Here's my thought, right? I mean, I'm just saying your thought to your opinion. My opinion is this, right? Um, I don't think we should come out on top at all for dealing with Mexico for a little while. And that would be beneficial to us as a country, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, you think about it like this, right? Did you know that Hitler tried to actually launch, um, you know, tried to collude with Mexico, you know, as far as like going through there to attack the United States during World War II? He, he contemplated that. There's documents on these things. You get what I'm saying? Wouldn't we want to protect our country even more and then also build up a partner that would, you know, you could think about it. If we build them up to a point to where all this stuff doesn't happen down there. You know, that might take, what, like 20 years. I understand that. We'd have to throw a lot of resources at it. And it would cost a little bit of money, but we could redirect stuff with the fiscal budget. I mean, that's obvious. 
And we would have somebody who's indebted to us for a while and would be so much stronger if we ever got attacked by anybody or had to go do something. That's all I'm saying. Mexico's got a lot of people. You make a good point, but if they're not willing to allow us to help more, then we can't help more. You know what I mean? Well, we got to stop trying to tell other countries how to run their countries. You get what I'm saying? But we can't can't provide assistance because we believe – we have – as Americans, we have certain beliefs. You know what I mean? As the United States, we have certain beliefs. We we are loyal to democracy. And you can't have Mexico colluding with the fucking cartels and then us in there helping Mexico. No, I'm saying we go in there and we root the cartels out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But Mexico's not willing to do that. Mexico is colluding with the cartels at this point. This new president has has colluded with the cartels. And you don't think we exacerbated that issue oh, with yeah, uh, the cocaine operations yeah. from Nicaragua yeah. that we did back in the day? Yes, dude. What I'm saying is, is this. We help create this problem. Why don't we provide a solution? I, I haven't heard a public solution as far as like, hey, hey, we're willing to go in there, take out all the cartels for you, and what 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 you know, what we got to do to get this deal done. That's what I'm trying to say. But that's like, that's like you are living at your house and you have someone living there that you, that's not good for you. And then I'm like, I'll come in there and take them out. But you're like, no, this is my house. I don't want your help. That's what Mexico is doing with the cartels now. Oh, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up that example. So my argument to it will be this. Isn't it when you technically describe what a sheriff has to do in an eviction process? Right, you understand? Someone no, else comes in your house because I don't take that person house. out. So you would, if you don't want them out, you're the homeowner, and you don't want them out. But I know, as your neighbor, that that person's not being the right is not right for you, and is causing you problems and doing things to you. That, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah. you would have to say, "I want you out. I want you evicted." I can't do yeah, that. Yeah. So if Mexico right, right. is willing to take the help from us that we which we've offered to help. Then well, there's nothing we can do. You know what I mean? They've they've yeah. gotten to the point where these cartels down there, and I don't want to get too far off subject because I I definitely want to get back to the East yeah. Coast time. Um, but that's cool. But um, it, they've gotten to the point where these new cartels. So the cartels down there are now younger, a younger generation, right? So mm-hmm. before you had the Sinaloa cartel, and they were cool with uh, you know helping the public out. They they didn't want you going in and knocking out your grandma and stealing her purse they didn't want you robbing the the, the neighbors and in and, and causing inciting violence yeah. in the community but this new cartel they're they're under on the mm-hmm. complete opposite spectrum they're they're like no you go kick the doors down we're gonna scare the fuck out of these people and they're gonna respect us because of that oh yeah they kill they, they, they're going and just basically they're it's it's kind of like shoot them up we ask questions later yeah i understand, understand. right yeah that that new cartel is interesting. They seem to be, at least from what I've been reading, they're starting to win the war too uh, down there. They're taking over a lot of territory. The old, and, old cartel. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, yeah. no, no. The new. I'm talking about the new cartel, the new one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's led right. by uh, an old general, actually, I believe. So, of, um, or like a police officer or something like that. I don't know. That's something. That's something to be interesting to look up. But, you know, it's it's concerning too because see. Um, El Chapo's, uh, what was it, his son? That was very high-ranking, got arrested, right? Right. And the Mexican government's been holding him. Well, what the cartel started doing was, 
you know, hey, we're just going to start shooting stuff up like crazy. You know, we're going to go and, you know, and do stuff like that uh, to like put pressure on the Mexican government to release him. That's it. You know, they've done it in the past. Mexican government has released cartel members before due to this, you know? So well, I don't know. It's let me concerning stuff. Let me ask you this. And then we, I do have to take a sponsor break. Um, or so, yeah. but the, so if we're not willing to help our own citizens within our borders, East Palestine, then why, why do you think that they would be willing to help Mexico? Hold that thought. I'm going to play yeah. the socials real quick. We'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Alphas, we would like to invite you to join the pack. You can find us on Facebook at Mind of the Alpha Podcast, Instagram at Mind.OfTheAlpha, and YouTube at Mind of the Alpha Podcast. We hope to see you commenting. Now let's get back to this week's show. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're back. I got uh, Corey D. And uh, Corey, last question I asked you, man, was uh, if we're not willing to help East Palestine, with the shit that they're going through, what makes you think we're going to be able to help Mexico? Yeah, that's a very good question, man. You know, I get fired up about all these types of things because yes. I'm just passionate. And, you know, with the East Palestine thing, it's very, very um, interesting. You know, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know how to answer that question because, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know why the governmental response was what it was in Ohio, you know, Um they're they are protested actually, and uh, they're planning on marching on the House State Capitol on the 11th. I didn't know if you was aware of that. That's how yeah. pressing this is. What you say? Are you talking about the uh, residents up in East Palestine? Oh no, I mean this is Ohio. Ohio is going to protest. The people of Ohio are going to protest I got and you. march in the House State Capitol on the 11th. So anybody mm-hmm. watching us said it was in Ohio, you know, uh, make sure you show up to that to exercise your right. I may go if, if you're myself. upset about the situation. That's only three hours from where I live. It's Columbus. So. Oh, yeah. Or anybody around us, you know, because this is not an Ohio issue. This is not just a Pennsylvania issue. This is not just, uh, you know, a United States issue. It's a world. I mean, this struggle as far as Canada, the Pume. Yep. I mean, this is the options that come down and fall out of the sky and they're contaminating wildlife, fish, waterways. You're talking animals, you know, all these things. You know, you got to think the oxens, it, it's very hard for them to dilute through a mammal system, okay? So when fish eat them, you have other animals that eat fish, right? There's a lot of animals eat fish. Now another animal eats that that animal, right? Now, mind you, dachshund doesn't really dilute. So all these animals are diluted with dachshund. So before, the animal that eats the fish that double. Dachshund, was that on the train that derailed? No, no, no. When they lit this on fire, it turned in. Which I, exactly. I got you. I didn't know all that, that smoke. I, I didn't know that. All That's that why I was smoke. trying to figure out how you were going to tie that into, into this. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because think about it. When something eats this fish, the fish already has uh, some dachshund in it, right? Uh, the animal that eats it already has some dachshund. So they're both contaminated already. That animal eats the fish. That's double contamination now. Right. Something eats that animal. That's what quadruple. And then I mean, I can keep going and going and going, right? And then we eat us. that. Well, hold on, wait a minute. And then we eat that animal because we hunt them, you know, like a predator or something. You know, we usually eat a lot of predators. You know, 
or like different mammals, uh, small, uh, like what some people eat squirrel even, you know, in certain parts of this country, you know, stuff like that. Most contaminated. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's a compounding effect. That's why when you saw in Times Beach, Missouri, how all that wildlife died off so quickly. Right. So, because so the levels in the systems got so high. Back, back to East Palestine. So it burned into dioxide and because the poly, well, uh, polychloride or vinyl chloride, correct? Well, well more well, basically, when they lit the sump fire, according to experts I've talked to, uh, there are uh, dioxins that are created in that fume, you know, as we now call right. it, the fume, right? You know, and you got to realize I got reports um, that this went as far as Virginia, this fume. And as far as Canada, um, you know, and what's really interesting is this, um, you know, see, when this smoke comes down to the ground, it leaves a residue, right? Right. Now, when the residents came back to the town after evacuation was lifted, guess what was all over their houses, streets, grass, all that stuff? Residue. The residue. Right. But Why was it that cleaned is- up? But the, and that's what I was just getting ready to ask you because I did a podcast with one of the uh, residents from up there. Um, uh, oh I yeah, she was on mine too, I believe. Yeah, hmm? I know you're talking about Z- Zusha. Was on Zusha, something like that. I'm, 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 yeah, I believe so. She, um, really? I I, I'm, I, I'm terrible at pronunciation. I mispronounce her might, name all the time. To be, I might and be I apologize. In that role. It's okay. She probably won't get mad. Yeah. Um, but you so no, she won't. was telling me that they were only offering deodorizing and um surface cleaning, basically. They weren't doing any sort of like remediation of the property or anything like that. And then these fuckers were condemning houses. So if you're telling me condemning yeah. and denying that there was any sort of like residue or anything left over, you just said you talked to people, you've been there for God's sakes. You know what I mean? So I mean, did you yeah. see any of the I've only been there twice. I just want to make that clear. I've only been there twice because I didn't want to uh, maximize my exposure limit. And then also as well, um, uh, people have flooded this town with media. And yes, this is good. This is getting coverage and everything. But um, the the media is damn rude sometimes. (laughs) When I was down there, like there was uh, a woman from a news network just bumping into people. Uh, my and you know I, I'm not going to name any of those people, but my point is is this right? Uh, to these media members, and any of y'all watch this, be a little fucking nicer to these people. Like you're invading their space. You have to understand that. I understand that this is for a good cause, and you want to give them coverage and stuff. But do that respectfully. Be professional. You know. You know they're not. I I don't think I don't trust the media. I think the uh, independent journalism is is where it's at. But but you know I digress. The the the, the the fact of the matter is the news is only there. The only reason these na- na- national news um, uh, um, stations and, and Fox News, CNN, and that is even reporting on this is because of people like you, people like me, mm-hmm. people like them, up, all the people that are dealing with this. Well, putting status pressure, quo. Putting you, pressure. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Status quo has been up there quite a bit, too. They're the same people who are in Flint, Michigan for like eight years. You know, they've been there for like eight years right. now. Right. You know, it's Aaron Brockovich is up there tonight. Yeah, she's up there tonight. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched anything on that on the Aaron Brockovich thing besides she rescheduled because of Trump, you know. Which mind you, uh, I'm glad that he 
because of his response, FEMA got involved because they needed some something additional. But my question is, is what the hell did FEMA do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, nothing. Yeah, they're just being the normal uh, government entity that drags their feet for months at a time before yeah. anything approves. So, oh, hear this. So, um, did you know Norfolk Southern, the railroad company involved with uh-huh. you know that owned this train, right? Right. They spent ten thousand dollars, I believe it was no, no, twenty five thousand dollars. I'm sorry, twenty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars donation to the Red Cross. Right? You said dollars Yeah, yeah, roughly. The point is, is this. They haven't used it really much at all in these residents because they stay... Look, look I got residents... Uh, locals have called the Red Cross, okay? Mm-hmm. And have asked, hey, can we use some of this money for housing expenses? This, that, you know, help us out with some medical uh, testing. Uh, you know, doctors, is it something? You know what I'm saying? Like, help us out with something, you know? Right. Like, Shoot, you you have a donation from the company that caused this. Let's use that donation, right? Isn't that what you think you would do support? No, uh, they 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 won't until this is deemed a disaster. This is where FEMA comes into play for me, right? Uh, FEMA has the ability to do that. The EPA has the ability to do that. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, you know, but Governor DeWine has to allow FEMA to do that as well. Which... Governor DeWine, I think Governor DeWine is not. If you look at his campaign contrib- contributions, have you looked into that at all? I have not done a full analysis on that yet. I no, have uh, take a look at that. A lot of the companies... some economics people that are way smarter than me that have PhDs in economics and stuff like that. I got a few of them uh-huh. that are going to look at a lot of that stuff. Uh, one thing they have uncovered, though, is uh, the reason why the mainstream media, I feel like, doesn't report on this is because the same major shareholders for Norfolk Southern are the same major shareholders for all the major news networks, basically. Right. You know, I'm talking Fox News, CBS, uh, right. CNN, you know, right. you, you know what I'm saying, they're MSNBC. Not, they're, not, they're not necessarily shareholders. What they are is they, they, uh, they're people that buy a lot of ads on CNN and Fox, okay? Yeah, and yeah. The problem with that is, if you look at CNN, for instance, their viewership has dropped like 33%, I think it is, something like that, since Trump yeah. left office because they don't have nothing to report on. So if they lose their revenue spend, their ad spend from these companies that's, that own Norfolk Southern, they're going to go under. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah. that's one of the major reasons. But but the thing is, is, I really do think that the people putting pressure on them is what's causing them to um, really you know cover the story at all. And I think it's at the point where Norfolk Southern, they're just in damage control mode at this point. You know what I mean? So they're not, they're oh, not, yeah. you, know, you, you see what I'm saying? It just looks bad on them, especially, and that's the greatest thing about the internet, man. That's, if you think about it, if this had happened <laughs> 40 years ago, it would have just been swept under the rug. And they, those people up there would be completely fucked. No one would help them because nobody would really know about it. There was no internet. Well, now... Oh, yeah. All you got to do is go on Google and you can find all the information you want at your fingertips about these companies and what they're bullshit yeah. they're doing. Well, you got you got to source your source. You have to bet you have to bet your source too. You have to remember that too. You know what I'm saying? You got to make sure this comes. See how I do it is is if I'm able to dispute your claim with your own sources that you've used, okay? Then that tells me something's up. You you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, if I'm using governmental data that's public to all of us, 
of our governmental databases to be able to be like, hey, something's up here. Then, hey, uh, what, uh, you know, answer my question. Because look, we are, like I, I'll repeat this from before, we are part of the peer review process as the people, you know? And we have to remember that. Anytime we have a governmental response, it's our job to make them know if they're fucking up or not, you know? And I think Mike DeWine is fucked up in this. You know, I think I know why. It's, it's his last term in office. You know, look, I think he's desperate to what too. I was saying about his his contributors, if you look at the list of contributors, a lot of those same contributors are the ones we were just talking about with CNN and Fox. A lot of them are oh, um, donating top, you know, his top contributors, top campaign contributors. Um, yeah. Are part of Norfolk. Well, Norfolk. Don't forget about Norfolk Southern as well, because uh, the Kit Repository released an article, I believe it was the other day. They say how... And uh, I didn't know about it before this, and I checked it out too. And I was like, "Ooh, this looks very, very viable." So I, and I was like, "Oh, okay, let's check this out." Man, so it's public knowledge, you know. You can check these things. And I checked it. And I was like, "It checks out." He took ten thousand dollars from Norfolk Southern. That's what I'm saying. He he. That's that's yes, why. Yes, this year. Yeah, but I mean, that's and that's why he's answer. not. He didn't give them the response. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's underestimate. Exactly. They underestimate the day and age we live in. Yeah, they do. They do. Now, um, <laughs> hey, did you see Pete Budovich also was there, too? There's a there's a funny meme going around on the internet about him, by yeah, the way. I don't think you want to pull that, that up. Thing. I'm going to pull that up real quick because I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> see it. It's funny as hell. Thing, that thing made me laugh. You know, I don't know. I don't know. People are ruthless, and I want you to bring up this meme for a reason because <laughs> – You'll see, you'll see. It's it is a funny meme. I'll say that much. Can you see it? Uh it's loading up. There it is. Yeah. Now look. Here's the thing about this meme, in my opinion. People gotta remember this, right? We need as much political support behind this as possible. The only way because Pennsylvania started congressional hearing, okay? Mm -hmm. You understand? They want to, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? They want to have this go into Congress and bring the CEO there, no folks southern in question. That would be permanent record. I want it to go past Pennsylvania. I want this to be in, in, in Congress. I want the railroad to go in front of Congress. That's what I feel like should really, truly happen. And, you know, I understand people want to make fun of all these politicians stuff, but we need as much political support as possible on this issue, you know, from all sides. I believe this is a great bipartisan issue, you know, and well, that's why the reason it's why I think we're going to be doing what we're like, what we're doing right now. And we continue exactly. to exactly, you know what I mean? So it's, it's really what, what happens in the problem with the American public is and and mainly the American public. I would, I wouldn't even say that the rest of the world is guilty of this, but our attention span is so low and yeah, we're kind of like, sure. uh, we're kind of like fish. You know how you go fishing, like you were talking about and um, you throw mm -hmm. like uh, you throw a lure in the water and the fish sees this shiny thing. So they go after it and then they see a shiny thing. Then they go after it. So these are called false flags, right? And the media will report on what they're told to report on. This is okay. So I'm going to say this, this is my opinion. All right. The media will report on things. So, like, usually what happens is something major happens, right? 
Hunter Biden. You know who Hunter Biden is, right? Mm-hmm. His laptop yeah. was coming out. Epstein reports were coming out. Okay. And then all of a sudden, East Palestine. Right. So tell me, I mean, it looks like it could be a false flag. You know what I mean? And they're they're trying to move your attention to it. So what the government does is they bank in these companies. What they do is they bank on the fact that the American public has such a low um, attention span. So we'll pay attention to the youth Palestine. Then they were hoping after four or five days and it would go to something else. Right. And it would be it would be something completely else. And we'd forget about that. What they what they did is they fucked up because they underestimated the American people at this point. The last two years or last three years since COVID started, the main thing that I've learned is you can't trust our government, right? You can't trust them. You can't trust pharmaceutical mm-hmm. companies. You can't trust insurance companies. And you really can't trust big corporations, period. So you shouldn't. Right. So the American yeah. people are starting to wake up. We're starting to realize you can't trust these people. So you have to keep pushing it. And as long as we keep doing that and moving forward and keep moving forward, it'll fucking change. And we'll get it to Congress in Washington, D.C. Exactly. But, exactly. But you know, you, let me give you a good example, Bobby. Switching back like, and forth between subjects and, you know, we're never going to get anywhere with anything. Yeah, yeah, true, true. I'm going to bring up a good example for you, right? Do you trust your doctor? I never trust any of my doctors. You know why? Because I want to be cautious of what's going on. See, I treat doctors like lawyers. I'm going to I'm gonna talk to at least three of them. I'm on a general consensus on things. I want to make sure what you're doing is peer-reviewed. You should. And it's called being critical, critical thinking. You know what I'm saying? And we got to do that with our government. You know, we got to push this motherfucker all the way to Congress, too, because, look, man, it's as simple as this. If a regulation doesn't get passed, this is bound to happen in another town or even the same town again. Over and over again, there's what, over 12,000 derailments every year in this country? What does that break down to uh, after if you divide that by 365? Because I believe it's free a day, right? Mm, it's more than that, buddy. It's about 40 a day. Yeah, well, sh- shit, it's, it's way more than what I thought, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I didn't have the calculator in front of me. My, my, my point is this, right? That's a lot of fucking derailments. Yeah, and, and the thing is, though, in order for us to be able to do anything to change stuff um lobbying is a huge issue in 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 the united states right so you have um you know norfolk southern going to the government and lobbying for against um you know safety measures and in upgrading the brake system and and that and that's what caused this they they've already announced that 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 axle and those brakes were heated up like 30 times hotter than it was supposed to be and it went through three sensors when it started. Three sensors alerted to being 30 degrees. It was 30 degrees hotter than what the safe um, safe operating temperature was, right? Mm-hmm. This was just released either released yesterday or this morning. I can't remember which one. But anyways, it was 30 degrees, and they ignored it. They ignored it. And those brakes on that thing were are, are the same brakes that they've been using for 100 years on these trains. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It, until... Well. Until lobbying stops, we're still gonna, we're going to continue to get fucked. We're going to continue to get fucked by corporations, pharmaceutical companies, and insurance companies. They're just going to continue to shove rooms up their ass. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, I'm about to send you a document. Actually, I've got to send you one thing here, right? Um, <laughs> you're gonna like this. Uh, this is the NSTB's preliminary report. Have you seen that? I have not. Oh man, so. 
I'm uh see what I thought was interesting, and I asked NSTB uh, NSTB about this about what is called DOT 111 cars. Are you familiar with DOT 111 cars? Did you say DOT 111? Oh yes. No, I'm not familiar. Yeah. Okay. So DOT. Okay, I just sent it. By the way, you can pull that up for everybody. Is that a tanker car? The, yes. So it's it is uh, a tanker car. Let me pull it up, bro. I can show them. Mm, well, I, I can tell you a quick story about DOT 111s after that. Now, see, they don't mention DOT 111s that were present in this, um, you know, on here, uh, on mm. the report, even though they were on the train. That's what's kind of important about this. Whenever we pull this up, you guys will see that. They mentioned um, uh, yeah. 105s. I'm pulling up a picture real quick of the train so people can see what it looks like. So is it like this one? Yeah, let me see, because I sent you a photo to reference to. Oh, you did? Okay, let me just pull that up then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, man. I didn't realize you you had sent that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, there's a YouTube channel of some gentleman. He kind of put together a nice little graphic on something, so I kind of took a picture of it. Okay. You can keep talking while I'm doing that, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I find it interesting they didn't include DOT-111s in their report yet. I hope they put it in their final. This is a preliminary report. I did, uh, <laughs> you know. You're talking about here? Yes. Mm -hmm. See, that's a preliminary report. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, do you find the part where it talks about DOT-105? Look for that in there. You see, I think it's on the uh, page down from that, I believe. DOT 105? Yeah, do you see it on there? I think it's on that page. Somewhere in there. Um, I can't see it as well as you, you know, because I'm on my yeah. phone. Well, I can't see either, man. I'm fucking blind. <laughs> I can't see um, DT 105? No, I don't, I don't see it. I, I think search is what? Uh, Function five, F5. Okay. Oh, you found it? Uh, oh, yeah, do that. Yeah. Right there. You just passed it. Go down. All right. Well, you did. I don't know. Maybe it skipped. Keep going. Right there. Right. You see it? DOT, the first sentence on February 5th, responders mitigated the fire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Five derailed DOT 105, right? Mm-hmm. Mind you, look in there in the parentheses. What rare cars does that say, so, Bobby? So for those those that are not listening or not seeing the video of this, it says on February 5th, responders mitigated the fire, but five derailed DOT 105 specification tank cars. And then in parentheses, it says rail cars 28 through 31 and 55, carrying 115,580 gallons of vinyl core, I continue to concern authorities because the temperature inside one tank car was still rising. This increase right. in suggested that the vinyl chloride was undergoing a polymer, polymer, well, polymerization reaction, which could pose an explosion hazard. Responders scheduled a controlled venting of the five vinyl chloride tank cars to release and burn the vinyl chloride expanded by the evacuation zone to a one mile by two mile area and dug ditches that contain released vinyl chloride liquid, which while vaporize and burn. The control vending began about 4.40 p.m. on February 6th and continued for several hours. Okay, so they, they didn't mention 
the DOT 105? Is that what you're saying? No, they didn't mention the DOT 111 cars that also got punctured in this incident. Well, oh, okay. So um, they didn't mention no. the DOT 111. How many? No, where? The pregnancy part is important, Bobby. Look at the parentheses. How many rail cars do you count right there? Uh, four. Exactly. How many hazardous uh, cars were on this train? I, I'm not sure. There was 20 of them. Really? So, so yes. Now, what's important about this? Were the other ones not mentioned, the DT-111, DOT-111s? Oh, yeah. I have a picture uh, if you want to pull that up, too. I also have that. That okay. sent you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this will show you all the hazardous train cars and a graphic there, and then also show you a DOT-111, kind of what it looks like. What's important about DOT-111s, why you pull that up, is in Canada, I think roughly about, what, 10, 11 years ago, uh, there was a city, and you you can Google this. Uh, I forget the exact name of the city. Uh, the, but if you Google DOT 111, so you put that in a search engine, Canada explosion, you'll, you'll, you'll see this. Because what happened was there was a rail ra railroad uh, called CXX, right? They had a uh, person decide to, um, you know, for some reason, decide to only have one person to this train, right? Which is federal regulation number one broken. You need a conductor and an engineer at all times on a train. I'm not is sure this, if it was a conductor or engineer on there, but the there was one person. Yes, there's a DOT 111. See the one okay. at the top, the big one? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then those are all the hazardous train cars, uh, you know, that are carrying hazardous materials down below below that. Right. Um. Yes. Uh, there was 20 explosive train cars, and you had all these other trains. You know, th from, this is pretty much what, I understand, what they they're seeing with the whole train right here. From what I understand, huh? they weren't even marked hazard either. Yeah, some of them are mismarked, correct? Yeah. What's crazy about all this, right, Bobby, is, um, you know, look up that Canadian town while I'm doing this, right? Type in Cana uh, Canada Explosion DOT 111, and it should pop up like lack of something you know but what's important is is that there was cxx this railroad company was taking a load uh into canada from the united states so this is american railroad company right and they only decided to have a one-man crew on that right um what's very concerning about that is that that breaks the federal regulation you must have an engineer and a conductor at all times on on train so that you have two eyes ears all that especially since they don't get they don't get a lot of sleep usually you know what i'm saying you're right. talking they're on call they work 14 16 hours just sometimes they only sleep an hour today before they fall asleep at the wheel you have the other guy there it's a safety measure right now oh yeah did you find it there um i found yeah something, it didn't really tell much about it there so let me oh yeah we'll find this so what uh type in type in canada outlaws dot 111 train cars Type that wasn't in. in Toronto a derail 26 cars. No, 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 no. The, 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 so go up, go up to your search, and no, that, that's not it. Happened roughly about 10, 11 years ago. Can you say Canada all DOT 111 cars? Well, Canada, that's what I said. Oh, okay, okay, you must have skipped Canada outlaws DOT 111 cars. Yes, okay, so. DOT 111 car rail cars banned from transporting crude in Canada by the fall. Transport Minister Mark Ganu has ordered the retirement of all DOT 111 rail cars by November 1st, six months earlier than planned. Um, 
Okay, the DOT 111 uh, rail cars were involved in the Lack Mechanic tragedy three years ago. So, oh yeah, let me let me tell this before you uh, go into it. This article was published in 2016, so the the accident must have happened in 2013. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So, yeah, I had the date wrong, but look, what's important is this, right? Is uh, this railroad company six X went up there? They have one one man crew on a train to try to save money. It would be my best uh, estimate on that. You know, and um, he the fire breaks out on this train. Um, he applies the air brakes. He ends up stopping on a hill. Right now, air brakes take a while. So he's further up the hill because he, uh, the air has to has to build up in the locomotive and then travel all the way back. So they don't the brakes don't apply at the same time. You know, it's old right, technology. Yeah. You're talking. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, that. we've had. Oh yeah, we have it available, but they deem it too expensive to put it on all our railways. That's, that's what the that's railroads what are about the lobbying. You know what I mean? They lobby to to not. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. But go ahead. Oh yeah. Now what's important is this: is that it's on there. Fire breaks out. They handle a fire. Guy gets back in the in the locomotive, right? And he calls back to his dispatch. He's like, "Hey, what do you want me to do?" Pretty much, right? Dispatch tells him to go sleep it off in a hotel room closest next to him. Don't worry about it. What? No one's in the train now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they told him they was going to bring up another locomotive. Um, now, what's crazy about this is no one's in the train now. Now, mind you, what they didn't realize is this, Bobby, is that that fire came into the air brake system and there was a small leak in it. The air brakes start to fail. This train starts coming down and it reaches Lackawanna um, and it derails in the middle of the downtown, right? It was carrying, I believe, I'm sure you see an article, I believe it was 100,000 uh, what tons or gallons of, um, of petroleum. It instantly explodes, kills 47 people immediately. 47? I believe it was 40, yeah, I believe it was 47 people immediately. Uh, you know, and it burned down the downtown to the ground. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. It's it's wild. Go go ahead and read it on there uh, for for the people that are also listening. You know, oh, I'm uh, I'm still trying to find an article that really explains it. it all they're talking about is the uh, the banning. Oh, the outlaw. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's not really. But this is the reason the they outlawed it, Bobby. After right. this incident happening, this was the reason they oh, yeah. outlawed it. So Canada's own so, safety board for uh, trains and all that stuff, their their transportation board, all that stuff, they outlawed DOT 111. They deemed it too dangerous because so of the thickness it, of the containment unit. So the, the article I found, it says, Canada's transport minister says the rail car model involved in a fiery crash that killed 47 people, so in Quebec three years ago, um, will no longer be allowed to transport oil in Canada. Um, he said that Monday that older tankers, the DOT 111 cars in a virgin jacketed with an extra layer of metal to make it stronger would be taken out of service. Um, so my, my yeah. question is, is if we, if they ban this, why, why are we still using them in the United States? Exactly. Do you, do, do you know what tank cars haul all the most hazardous materials? Mind you, they deemed them not necessary for oil. Right. Oil's not right. even and, on and a chemical grade scale like, compared to like vinyl chloride or something. And vinyl chloride, from what I understand, the only way you're allowed to transport it in the United States is on by rail. You're not allowed to transport it in the air. You can't transport it on the highways. It has to be on the rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah because the they deemed it that? so dangerous. It's like a level nine miscellaneous hazardous material, I think it's called. And, and you know, it's 
the, the reason being is because they deem this chemical so carcinogenic, you know, that it, it, you can get, uh, what is it? Uh, um, I, I'm terrible with medical terms, but uh, basically there's a rare form of cancer you can get from this. This will shut down your kidneys, your livers. Um, it, attacks, it attacks your central nervous system. Your central nervous system, your brain, it'll, it affects every bit exactly. of your body. But, yeah. but the thing is, man, is like these cars were not marked. And, and if, Corey, have you thought about this, man? Like uh, how yeah. many millions or uh, not millions, how many thousands of miles, tens of thousands of miles of railway is there in the United States? Now, if they don't have the manpower, man, if they don't have the manpower to man all these trains, what makes you think they have the manpower to monitor these railways and to make sure that they're checking every fucking square inch of those railways? They're not, yeah. right? So yeah. that leads it susceptible towards, you know, the railways breaking. Uh, you know, something happens. Um, I, I don't know what could cause that, but or sabotage, you know what I mean? Or like exactly. ter terroristic sabotage. I mean, it, nobody's monitoring them and they're 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 carrying these chemicals across the railway. Hey man, I gotta um let's take a you, you care if we take a break real quick? I gotta take a piss. Yeah, yeah, we're cool. Sure. You, you good to go for a little while? Oh yeah, man. I got all night. All right, cool. All right, cool. I'm gonna um I'll pause the recording. I'm gonna go uh do my yeah. thing and i'll be back here in a few minutes okay yeah sure go ahead i'll be right back all right guys we're back i um sorry about that i had to take a piss Corey. um hopefully you guys enjoyed that that sponsor um but we are gonna get right back into it so um what were you telling me Corey? i don't remember exactly where we left off but um i do want to bring up something too to kind of oh yeah we saw my dot 111 right so yeah why why you know it's a good question you actually why do we use dot 111 still in the united states and they are used uh for uh <laughs> they transport a lot of hazardous materials see they deemed them um that one of the reasons they outlawed them they they found out that the containment vessel of these things that hold the liquids and stuff mm -hmm. is not thick enough you know it's right. like an inch and three quarters, well, I believe. Didn't you know? they say that they reinforced them with with extra steel on the outside, which is still not consistent with uh, recommendations yeah. to carry fuel? Exactly. Exactly. Because think about it. Why would they reinforce it instead of just uh, issuing an, another train car instead? Because well, it's a it, it's a culture of profit over safety. You understand? They don't want to spend the extra money to do that. And exactly. it would still be not so much. That goes back exactly. to what I said about revenue. Anytime revenue is involved or capital is involved in the, the public safety, it, 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 it goes to the money. It mm -hmm. doesn't go to the, where the people, you know what I mean? As far as like safety. Exactly. So I would, I would venture to guess that we still use them here because the railway does not want to pay for new cars. They don't want to have to upgrade those cars because imagine how, how many, mm. I wonder how many, how many, let's take a guess. How many rail cars do you think are on the tracks at any given moment? Any given moment? Yeah. I'm going to say. Oh, man. Oh, dude, just in Ohio has a lot of track by itself. I'm going to say 100,000 at any given time. What? what? No, I think it's higher than that. What's your guess? Like uh, maybe 200? 200,000? Yeah, dude, there's a lot of railroad companies. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, how many rail cars are on the... There, 
I'm looking hey, at the, one thing you need to look up too then also is how much how many Amtraks are on the tracks as well because those are separate from rail cars. Hold on. So if you really want to know how much is going on tracks at all time, you need to correspond both of that data. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Uh, I'm just trying to get a rough estimate. So let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a lot. It's got to be. Think of how many derailments there are every year. So it's got to be a lot. Yeah, but I mean, you got some trains that are only like ten cars pulling and shit like that. You know what I mean? So it's not. Yeah. I'm not seeing anything here. So you said two hundred thousand. Um. So in the entire United States, there's 1.6 million rail cars. Okay. Um. And right. How many Amtrak's is there? There's uh they cover so the rail rail oh my god dude I had no idea the railroad road the rail tracks um cover 3.12 million miles of continental of you of continental you in the continental U.S. I had no yeah. idea that was the case. Did you? How many? How much? How many is it? They they the rail the railway covers three point one two million square miles. Oh yeah, I had That's no idea it was that much. Oh yeah, and do you, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's you know it's a lot of track, a lot of track. Ohio has a, an immense amount of track for its size of a state too. And if you look up the amount of track in Ohio, you you I bet you'd be surprised also. Um, that's uh, that's something you should look up and also post up there. Um, you know what's concerning is is this profit over safety. You know it it, it clearly shows with the DOT 111s, and it shows because Canada has outlawed this. You know, um, and you know they knew to outlaw it because it you know it killed people. It's just as simple as that. It's not worth human life to keep these cars on our tracks, in my opinion. Well, Honestly, what do you like suggest that? is done though because i mean let's be honest we have to be able to transport goods right so if yeah if i mean let me play devil's advocate man because i want okay think about all those cars those rail cars out there right and uh -huh. any, any business is in it for profit i don't care what business it is even nonprofits are in it for the profit you know what i mean so what what could be done i mean other than we couldn't shut we can't shut the railway down it can't be done that, that can't happen i definitely don't want that polyvinyl chloride on the fucking roads i don't want it on the roads and i don't want it in an airplane so we got to keep transporting it on trains so i mean maybe yeah. they set up like a 20-year plan to to get rid of all these rail cars right and to replace these rail cars no what uh -huh. it's called is regulation you know you need well, we federal regulation regulations to be able to support safety. Fucks that up. Yeah, it does. Exactly. You know, I'm going to bring up a good example of uh, regulation as well as far as the length of these trains too, right? In Iowa, uh, I mean, Iowa, they passed a bill that a, a, that a train, uh, right, is to be set at 8,500 feet or 1.6 miles. This train was what? Uh, almost three miles long? Three and a half miles? You know? Where, where did you, they set you, that out that? In Iowa, in 2022. So you're saying Iowa doesn't allow a train to be more than 1.6 miles long? 
Was that what exactly. you're saying? Really? Yes. What? They passed the bill in, in the Iowa uh, legislature in 2022. Yeah. So how do they, you know? how do they, uh, so for these rail, these trains that go across the country, how do they regulate that? Because they're, they're, I mean, they I don't. they're stopping and, cha- and changing cars out and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like all the time they're doing that. Yeah. I forget. I bet you if you dig really deep into that regulation, there's some loopholes in there for the train train for the railway. Oh, for Iowa. Well, what I'm saying is <laughs> how many railroads go through Iowa? Probably not many. Uh, you know, they they they, they got quite a few, I'm sure. I bet you but, Iowa has a lot of rails. Yeah, well they probably do, yeah. But uh my point is is this um is you have these DOT one elevens are already deemed unsafe. Because of the thickness of the containment unit, uh, because they deemed that it would puncture, you get what I'm saying, and cause an explosion if it derails. Now, that's what Canada outlawed. Our railroad's response was this, Bobby. Hey, we're going to put bumpers on the back and the front of the railroad car just in case a car hits it. Uh, that won't happen. you know. But what they fail to realize, like in this incident, uh, those DOT 111s, they will get punctured because the sides aren't protected still if it derails. Right, right. And then, yeah. So Iowa, I look then, up, they have 18 freight railroad companies. So they have 18 companies that operate okay. 3,825 miles of track within Iowa. Five Compare that to Ohio. Railroads or what, major what national companies. What's that? I want you to compare the information that you're finding on here with Ohio's as well. And then you'll see the comparison there. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm okay. sure you could... Uh, bring up two different tabs and have that on each side of each other, right? Um, yeah, so it's almost double. Ohio has, exactly. uh, it's one of the largest, most concentrated rail networks in the nation with 5,187 mm-hmm. miles of active rail. Well, my point is, though, is that they, the, I'm not saying that they don't, that they don't have more than, I mean, less than Ohio does. Obviously, Ohio has a lot, but but two transcontinental railroads, rail tracks run through Iowa, right? So I highly doubt that they're taking the time to stop those trains and remove those cars and make sure that they're following that 1.6 mile rule. Yeah. If they're, not, already the brake, if they're not following the rules on the brakes, my, my brother, they're not going to change that shit. They're not going to follow that rule. So that, and that goes back to my point earlier. We are not, we have 3.12 million miles of railway and nobody has ever run at any given time. How many miles of railway is unmonitored? Are they not checking? You know what I mean? So who's going to, who's going to oversee that to make sure that, you know, that's the case. It's got to be, I can tell you who it has to be a phase out. Yeah. I could tell you who's supposed to. It's supposed to be the FRA, the Federal Railroad Administration, and the NSTB, okay? The National um, Safety uh, Travel Board, right? Those are the two organizations that are supposed to oversee and um, make sure that regulations are followed. The problem is, is that there's barely any regulations for railroads, federally, at all. That's the issue, in my opinion, right? If we have federal regulations in place for safety with this, it would force the railroads to stop having a culture of profit over safety. Um, do you know what a caboose is? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, you, 
oh yeah, you could Google that for the audience that are um, you know, viewing us on video. You could pull that up while we're talking about this, so so they can get a visual. So caboose has like wider uh, a wider base on it, and like uh, windows too that are way bigger. And then also, um, you, you ever watch Wild Wild West with Will Smith? Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, they. Oh yeah, they feature a caboose on there. At the end of the train on that movie is a caboose. Um, reason why we had cabooses is because you had a brake man and uh, either a conductor or an engineer back there with the brake man, right? Right. They had a uh, another emergency braking system back there as well. So, what's important about this? The railroads in uh, I believe 1970s pushed really hard. For them to get rid of cabooses. I believe this could have helped stop the derailment before this even all went down. Because, see, they, the purpose of the caboose was that these two people, these two railroad employees, would be in the back and they could see all the way up the back of the train, all the way up to the front. Especially if you think about it, uh, the engineer connector up front, when they look out and they try to see the back of the train, especially on a curve, right? They're not going to be able to see the whole train because of the curve. That's why we had cabooses so that the people in the back could see the rest of the train. And also, if something went wrong, right? Let's say, for example, I'm going to give you a good hypothetical. We know sometimes these locomotives could uh, produce certain gases inside, and they would have to stop the train, and the people would have to back of the train, you know, from the engine that's in there, you know, like um, carbon monoxide, for example, right? Right. You know, just like a car engine. What if the carbon dioxide level built up so high it knocked out the engineer and conductor and now they're knocked out, you know what I'm saying? Completely knocked out by this. And there, who's, who's left on there to stop the train? The people in the caboose would be if we still had them, right? Well, you and know, then you also... To me, man, is why do they not have, yeah. with the technology that we have these days, why do they not have the ability to remote control these trains if they need to? You know what I mean? So, oh, like, I wouldn't if, want that. I wouldn't want that though, no, Bobby. No. That makes saying, it more dangerous. I'm not. I'm not saying consistent. I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying you need to have a conductor on the train. But I'm saying in the case of the conductor passing out and his engineer passing out, why do they not have the ability to remotely stop that train? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that is a good question. Think about Never thought of that actually, have. Bob. If you can see. From a satellite, you can see the ball, the hair on my balls from a satellite. You should be able to stop a fucking train <laughs> off site from a remote control. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. You know, I never thought of that angle on, on this uh, whole thing. Yeah. That's an interesting question. Uh, and I can answer it, though. It's because of the culture of profit over safety, you know, because it's too costly to do it. Exactly. For them, even though they have record breaking profits in the railroad industry uh, this last year. You know, why do you um, think they have to break in profits? Because they're not investing in the fucking trains and make them safer. Oh, no, they're not. And also they're removing extra employees. They they want to yeah. go to a one man system on trains. Yeah, do you think that's safe to go to a one man system? No, hell no. That's absolutely mind blowing to me. I mean, if you think about it. So the problem, I, I, I think that you're on to something though with the caboose. OK, so I definitely see where yeah. you're coming from with that. But mm -hmm. my pro my only issue with that, Corey, is the fact that it they're not following safety regulations now. So I don't know. Oh, no. You know what I mean? I don't know if that would have changed anything that happened. I mean, it it definitely would have been nice to have that on there, and it probably would have added an extra mm -hmm. layer of protection. You're right about that. But if they're yes. not even following, they're not even okay. They're not. 
if those sensors went off and showed that that train's brakes were 30 degrees hotter than safe operating um, standards, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't stop the train. They didn't do anything about it until it derailed, right? So what? What you know? What makes you think that they're going to follow safety standards any any other time? Oh, that's the. Well, let me tell you. Yeah, let me paint the picture for you, Bobby. Right, that's just one part. Look, when I was young, I used to. You remember Captain Planet? Well, yeah, yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Ring. They used to have comics. Uh huh. Did you know that? Yeah. I used to read. Yeah. That. So when I used to. Yeah, when I used to read the comics for Captain Planet, there's a very famous quote from there that I've always remembered. He said, Captain Planet said one time in the comics, when a disaster happens, it's because everything went wrong at once. That's what I'm trying to paint here for you. The cabooses are part of a variable there for you. You know what I'm saying? This is another way this train could have been stopped and before East Palestine, before it derailed. And you would have had two more eyes on the train, two more human people that could have stopped this train. You know, see, the reason why they say cabooses aren't necessary, you know, their argument is this, right? It's that, you know, one, because uh, see, we used to have them in this nation, um, every train. They, they, they have some called hotbox sensors now, right? Mm-hmm. Now, hotbox sensors, if you go to the, if you know where to look at it um, and be able to see it, um, they actually publicly release all the hotbox sensors. If you want to show you on this podcast how to access all the hotbox data. Um, so when a hotbox actually has a malfunction of any sort, because it's an electrical component, um, you're a smart guy. You work on like some cars and stuff here and there, right? Uh, like, yeah. like, like your own vehicle. Right. Yeah. How, how often do you have an electrical malfunction on a part in your car? It happens sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, I, it definitely happens more 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 often than I like, for sure. Yeah, like your bulb goes out, uh, you know, you got like a sensor going bad, you know, right. all, all sorts of stuff like that, right? Electrical issue with like your radio. It happens, right? Right. Oh, no. Oh, no. Let me send you the link to this. You'll, you're going to love this. This is public information. I'm surprised more people don't know about this. Oh, you're about to, <laughs> everybody out there, you're going to want to be sitting down when you see this. So uh, these are those, uh, these are those sensors that I was talking about that detected the um, overheating of the wheel bearings in the, in the brake. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's uh, videos on YouTube of, uh, of axles of, um, you know, those wheel bearings being split uh-huh. in half from the heat, um, right. you know, from this exact same maintenance issue that's happening. You know, there was a news guy, uh, what was his name? Alan Kilmer, I think it was, of uh, WNR. He actually got 10 railroad employees um, to actually uh, tell him off record about that they were the ones who actually worked on this train, I guess. Or, uh, you know, so they didn't think about this. On the train or they worked as like the, the crew on the train? No, 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 they did maintenance on this train a month gotcha. prior to this incident. Okay. Guess what they were fixing? The brakes. No, 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 the bearings. So that tells me the railroad knew about this could possibly be an issue on this, and they didn't adequately spend the amount of money possible to, you know, do that, because that's what they referenced in that news article, that they said that they knew what issue it was. It was reported to them a month prior, and they they didn't have an adequate amount of money to spend to be able to fix it properly. 
That's from 10 railroad employees themselves. Well, I bet I would be willing to bet that they only allowed them to fix the bearings that they found that or they only allowed them to fix bearings that were bad. So yeah, but listen, uh, listen to me here. Right? That, when, you would think that with them transporting what they transported, yeah. how often those trains are out there, that regular yeah. maintenance would include changing these bearings out. Even if yes. bad, even if they weren't failing, even if there was no record of failing of those bearings, you would think that regular maintenance would require them to change those bearings out after so many miles or so many hours of being of, of use or something like that. Right. I just sent you this link. I want to show you this. I want you to go ahead and click on that link and pull it up for the audience and we'll walk through this together so they can understand how to access this data as well. Okay, because it's a little complicated to see this. This is public information. The FRA, the Federal Railroad Administration, they, and we'll share this link in the description, I'm sure. Right, Bobby? Yeah, I'll put it in there. Just remind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I will. So this is a federal database, um, you know, uh, by the FRA, the Federal Railroad Administration. Now, what's important about this is here, you can see the hotbox data. You see the button right there that says data up at the top where you got all these little boxes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I want you to go to AF slash FP. Click that. Okay. Okay. Do you see query activation failure record, right? Yeah. I want you to go ahead and click that. Okay. Uh, wait, maybe it's um, on. Let me see. Give me one second. Okay. I see. What, give me a minute. I'm, I'm going to zoom in to see everything on here. All right, no, 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 don't don't click railroad. What I want you to do is I want you to change the year on, uh, yeah, from from, and I want you to scroll all the way down as far as you can. I want you to pick the, the oldest year, 1995. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. And then I want you to change December to January on two. Okay. So, and I want you to hit browse records. It might take a minute to load. It's going to load a lot of things. So for those that are listening, we're looking up um, on this website that Corey found. It's um, the break, or I'm sorry, the hot box. Hot box sensor data. Okay. Wow. Yeah, well, it's not failures. What this is, is a record that the FRA has to publicly release and that the railroads have to release a two-page report on, which we'll dive into that in a minute, on why there was a uh, malfunction of a hot box. Every time it malfunctions, that has to have a two-page report to it. You see all this? This is amazing, isn't it? This is a gold mine for there's civilians. Gotta be, there's got to be a thousand, at least a thousand records here. Yeah. I, I want to point it, something it, out to you. Uh, what more. time? What's that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying, if not more, it may be more than a thousand. Yeah, I want you to look on the left-hand side next to the dates. What time are all these uh, saying? Yeah. yeah, so the pre, the, the who do you think fills, fills out those two-page reports? Uh, I, I said they're, the railroad does, right? They're probably not filling the report outs correctly. Oh, that's concerning too, wouldn't it be? Now, well, hell yeah, especially if it's oh, yeah. as far as the safety goes. So so let me, yeah. let me do this because I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to go up here. And I'm going to feel. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. We're, I'm going to walk you through all that. Okay. I want to point something out too. 
Uh, I want you to scroll all the way to the top. Okay. Um, what's the oldest date on there? Uh, January 30th, 2000. So they, they didn't start reporting it until 2000. Well, no, no, no. If you search for here, if you search for here on, uh, by like date, mm -hmm. the, they don't report anything past the year 2000. Why do you think that is Bobby? Even though we've had hotbox sensor data well, because we didn't for have, a long time we didn't before that. Till, we didn't have internet till 2000. No, no, no. You're not understanding what I'm saying. I we have the, they're not putting they, the reports that are older than that are not on here. Older than 2000 yes. not on here. But that's not, I don't necessarily find that concerning because they may have those reports, but they may just not be digit, uh, on the internet. Oh, man. Look, somebody well, has them and they is, can digitally load them. Well, I, now, my yeah, point but is, is do that. Do you think that they're going to go back? I mean, what's the important? So, so let me ask you this, Corey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they won't take the time to spend the money to fix the brakes, what makes you think they're going to pay someone to come onto this fucking website and they're going to load these those documents before the year two thousand? Because it doesn't really matter. I mean, it. it I see what you're trying it does. to say. It does, but it doesn't in the big picture. They're not going to spend the time to load those documents before the year two thousand, before the internet was available. I think they don't want to load the documents, Bobby, because it would be so egregious um, what that data would show us that it would show how dangerous, based off of the things they have run past before the year 2000 even, uh -huh. that it would be that bad that people would have an outrage about it. You know, that's what I think. Well, it may be, but I wonder if there's a way that we could contact. Um, sorry about my dogs, man. If you could hear them, I don't even know. Um, oh, you're cool. Yeah, I can't hear him. You can or can't? No, I can't. I can't oh, hear him. Okay. Um, I wonder if there's a way that we could contact the FRA and see if they have those documents available for the public to see. Yeah, that's a good question, Bobby. I think everybody listening now should call them and ask them that I honestly, question. I honestly don't believe that. I'm not surprised that they're not on there. But what I will tell yeah. you is, too. Okay, so hold on a second. Yeah, did you know about this website before then? No, I didn't. But look, look over here where I'm where I'm pointing at. Okay, why is it yeah. going from 2014 to 2012, from to 2010 to well, 2002 these... to 2002, and then it goes yeah. to 2017? Why this are these not in Huh? Yeah, they're not in order. You can't. You, when you sort through this, the oldest year that I could ever find is 2000. Honestly, I haven't found you, one you past have, that. You year. have sorted through it then. Um, well, I, it's, I, I, there's not a way to sort it. What I'm saying is when I've gone through it, I guess is the better word, you know, um, I've, I personally can't seem to find a year. I mean, can you, I mean, we, we can do it together right here, right now. You can see nah, there's not probably, a single, that'll, make, that'll probably make for boring listening for the audience. We can do that later. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, but believe, as you, I, you know, I have no yeah. reason to doubt. I mean, you scroll down quite a bit on this. Right. I don't see anything. Yeah. Like but I, I yeah, but what's the time? You know, the time is crazy too. Like, why ain't they filling out the reports properly? And then if you go over to the right, Bobby, go go all the way to the over to the right on this list. Mm -hmm. All the way there. Right? Do you? Well, no. What I'm saying is on the right, it, the last box, all the way to the right. You see that? Do you see what it's saying all over there? Start reading some of them. Oh, it's my. You're okay. My bad. Um, you're okay. It says vandalism, failure of electronic device. 
power commercial interference, other miscellaneous right. uh, railroad power. Yep. What's miscellaneous and other as well, as well? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no clue. No clue. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Why is that even a marking on there? Well, you, that, you, they you know, could just be putting yeah. that on there because they don't know. You know what I mean? It could have been like, I just don't know. It failed, but we don't know why. And they didn't. We the have a regulatory board, two of them, right? The NSTB has the authority to uh, investigate instances like this, you know, with the because of this data, even, you know, other miscellaneous. If I was the NSTB, I would want to investigate that, wouldn't you? I'd be like, why did this really fail? Or uh, the sensor and what went wrong? Yeah, but I'd you know? also I'd also like to know who put this together, this this um, agency together, because because uh, there's a lot of it, um, a lot of transportation places and a lot of companies are are like pharmaceutical companies, for instance, they're allowed to put their own um, their own overseer together. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if the railroad had their hands in the, involved with making this agency so that they can have oversight. Um, by a federal agency that's ran by the railroad, if that makes sense. So yeah, I wonder who um, I wonder who who put this together. So that's definitely something I would recommend writing down, man. Is, is, you know, check into that, see if you can, uh, yeah, see if you can look in and find out like were they, why do why do they not have reports older than two thousand on here? Because I I'd be willing. Oh, yeah. They just haven't taken the time to upload them. I bet they have them, but they just haven't taken the time to put them on the website. Yeah. Well, now, there's another problem um, with that too, because yeah. Well, no, that's not. No, never mind. That's not an issue. I was going to say with uh, SQA database, sometimes you won't the the um uh, coding won't allow you to put a date that's older than 2000. But that's that can't be with this. I mean, there's no way. Yeah, there's no way because you're talking just paper documents. You can type in. As you 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 get what I'm saying? All you're doing right. is typing it in on a form, bro. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, data entry and stuff, paying for that. I mean, you'd be surprised how many times um, federal systems are not updated prior yeah. to 2000. If you look at a lot of different databases, a lot of them are not updated prior to 2000 because of that reason. Because it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have really any bearing on what's going on now. It's just a matter of reporting. But I'd be willing to bet that they do have paper copies that you can request. Well, I think it does have bearing because, in my opinion, it have bearing. They, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, in general, like it has bearing, like the whole thing. Because if it, um, the 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 simple fact is this: How can we recognize patterns of safety that needs to be addressed in maintenance right. if we don't have the records to be able to establish those patterns? Right. I agree. I agree. I yeah. agree with you. I'm. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm what I'm saying is is the government only cares about seventy percent of the pop. Like I told you earlier. Yeah, yeah. Saying so, like they're that's not it's not important enough to the government to put it on there. Right. Yeah, yeah. True, true. I mean, you you got to have a track record to follow, and and different signaling and things like that. I mean, if 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 you if and the point of this report is not to just put it out there. The point of the report is for anybody that's analyzing that report is to see signals of of a problem that's occurring, right? Mm-hmm. And to see a a, right. pat, a pattern of of malfunction, and those patterns of malfunction are supposed to signal to an engineer or whoever it is that's looking at those reports that hey, this is an issue. We need to update the system. We need to change it. We need to fix it. We need to update it with something else, you know, or replace oh. it. Oh, 
Oh, no. When these sensors go off, it tells them inside the train to actually stop. Did you know Norfolk Southern was the first railroad company to put microphones and cameras inside their locomotives? No, I didn't know that, but I, 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 um, yeah. I'll go back to what I was saying though. The, the, the three sensors that caught the, the fact that it was overheating was ignored by the engineer, by the, 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 uh, engineer of the train. Well, we don't know that yet because no, I'm going to explain. That. It was released. That was a report that was released either this morning or yesterday. Oh. Well, they, let me see this. I'm, I'm not, it, I'm not aware it, of that report. That's what I was saying earlier. It, it triggered three oh. sensors on within a 30 mile stretch. Three oh, sensors yeah. That, yeah. that it was 30 degrees hotter than safe operating standard, yeah. and they still continue to go down the railway and didn't stop. You know what's cool? We can pull up those exact sensors with this data, actually. You could see it. You could see from the railroads actually report uh, that they actually, how they reported on those. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what's interesting is this too. Um, it, it, let me, let me, uh, help inform everybody, including yourself, how hotbox sensors work. Uh, you, you, you might not know this, right? Hotbox sensors, when they go off, huh? I don't know anything about them. So please do. Explain. Oh yeah. 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 Let me, let me help educate. So there's a sensor on the train and there's a sensor on the track. When the train passes by, there's sent, uh, you know, those sensors read each other. Um, as far as like on each axle, you know what I'm saying? And then it tells, you know, when it passes by, it takes the reading. You know what I'm saying? So you got two sensors like this, right? Trains coming, boom, that's when it reads, right? right. And it goes by. That's on each axle, though, okay? So that's a lot of electrical components that can have failures to it. And you can look at that list all the way down on the right-hand side. You see a lot of these have, like, uh, dirt, dust, fragment issues, uh, stuff that blocks the sensor, uh, some of them talk about like, um, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things, other miscellaneous, who, who knows what that was, you know what I'm saying? Like, this happens a lot more often when people think the word those sensors fail. That's why the caboose is so important in my opinion, right? Because they argue the hotbox sensors should replace their caboose. My opinion is we still need those two people in a caboose in the back just in case the sensors fail. Because in this instance, the caboose could have stopped it even with those hotbox sensors going off. And right. they would, have, you know, see, and the problem is, is this, right? Um, I wonder if the engineer and conductor called back to dispatch and asked what to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm waiting for an NST's report on that. That's going to be in a final report. That's going to be really interesting to me because, right. see, there, like I told you, there's a camera and a microphone in the cabin of the locomotive. Yeah, it's kind right? of the same, same concept as an airplane with a black box. You know, it records everything that goes on in the cabin yeah. for when, it, when a crash happens. Exactly. Yeah, and they're able to pull that, that from the, the black box as well, you know? I'm yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because the train has a black box too, you know, just right, like yeah. what you're referencing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly and, what it is. It, 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 what it does is it um, records the coordinates of where the, you know, where the last coordinates that it was at. And then it records any sound or anything like that that's inside of the, uh, the, the, the locomotive, the, uh, steam engine or whatever it is and inside the cockpit if you will um yeah the train you know what i mean so yeah i see don't forget about the camera that also points on the outside from the frontal locomotive all the way to the back right yeah yeah so there's also cameras where you could see that and and i guarantee you well i'll be surprised i ain't gonna guarantee it but i would be surprised if we don't see all those flames sparking up when that footage gets released in NST report oh, as well. You 100% will be. There's video yeah. from bystanders that 
26 miles. I think the, the, the furthest away was 26 miles of a, um, a guy recording flames and sparks coming off of those axles. Um, yeah, yeah. From the factory footage in the, Salem, right? For the derailment. Yeah, I believe it was factory footage of Salem, if I remember correctly. What, say um, that again? The factory footage in Salem, I believe, is what that got caught on. Yeah, I I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you could see it's like at night or whatever. Right. And, you know, what's, what's interesting about these hot boxes is when they start going off, right, they have a bad reading of any sort, it tells the people inside the train to stop the train. It also sends a signal to a dispatch office, right, mm-hmm. to tell them to stop the train. How does the dispatch office stop the train? Well, no, it tells them to tell the crew to stop the train. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it alerts it to them. So, so, but they, but they ignored it. I mean, that's that's the the problem is they ignored the sensor. That's what it seems like. Yes. I wonder, and and I don't know anything about trains. So, if anybody out there knows anything about um, conducting trains or anything like that, or about what Corey's talking about. Uh, engineer railroad yard guys any of those guys yeah. yeah so leave it in the comments but i wonder if the problem is is that a lot of times those sensors throw up false flags so the engineers are like well it's just another false flag i'm gonna ignore it it'll go away and you know in, in a few minutes yeah well if they remove the cabooses you don't have those two guys in the back to be able to do the job of those hot boxes just in case right. they fail and and you're just blatantly ignoring them even if that is true you shouldn't ignore that because that means there's something wrong with these sensors. They keep making them do that. That's a pattern of maintenance and safety that needs to address. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the, it, the biggest. Uh, I, I think what we're talking about here, Corey, is there's an extreme case of negligence within government and within regulation as well as oversight. And yes. It's causing the American people to suffer. It's causing, uh, you know, towns like East Palestine. Uh, that's never going to be the same again. And, and I'm telling you right now, we're not even touching mm. the tip of the iceberg of the problems that this is going to cause. I mean, it's oh, going to no. I, I talked to a toxicologist, and he was telling me it could take 10 years before it even hits the fucking groundwater to go through. Yeah. This. You know what I mean? So Possible. It, it's not even. You know. Oh. It's not even, we can't even judge what the, the consequence is going to be yeah. to these people in the rest of the world. Mm. You know, it's, it's interesting because um, I sent you some data too on this, where this, uh, right where this derailment happened, um, you should see in the first email, I sent you some screenshots and we can, we can pull this data up live for the audience too, if you want, but I got screenshots. So it kind of saves us some time possibly, but the Ohio department of resources has a website that has a well database on it. All right. That well database, if you know the longitude and longitude of any well, um, you know, you're able to type that in there and it tells you about adjacent wells next to it. So this is some of the well data here. I said there's quite, there's a few of them. I think there's about nine screenshots in total or something because there's a uh, different data was on each one. And what's interesting about this, right? Let's see, you see this information right here where it says ceiling report. 
Yeah. Okay, so if we start reading this, it tells you the date it's sealed, the longitude, the latitude, which, mind you, uh, I want you to write that down or uh, copy that, you know what I'm saying, because we're going to use that uh, later. You'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, and then you also got total depth. That is how deep this well is buried. What does it say right there on that one? 25 feet. Right. And then what does it say? Static water level. How, what does it say there? Seven feet. Right. So that means there's water in this well. And it's only 25 feet deep. Is it? Now, also, you could, you could also go to the ceiling summary report, the ceiling reporting image. Um, so they take a picture of it, too, after they seal it. Right? They show the date, township, county, and the owner of this well, even. Right? Whoever owned it then. That's what's important about this. And then if you go to this here, you see all those X's right there, right? The red X's? Yeah. Those are the wells I'm speaking of. Okay. You see where the track now, is? Are these the um are these the the people like privately owned wells? Or are we talking about um no. that supply the mm -hmm. town with their water? Oh no, oh no. Let me finish telling you about this and then I'll show you some pictures of what these actually are, okay? So you see, you see where the track is, though, right? Yes. Okay. You see how it says Norfolk South on the right-hand side of those? Yes. That's the rail. And right here is roughly pretty, like, literally right underneath the derailment site of where this happened. Those There's, by my count, one, two, three, four wells right there. Right. Right. Now, what's concerning about this, see, they ran a second track now that would actually make those wells in between two tracks. Because, see, now what's important about this is the way legal jurisdiction works with railroads is that they need a right-of-way maintenance way on each side of a track, okay? It's about 10 to 15 feet, roughly, somewhere around there. I think it depends on the state, but anyways, um, what it is is the railway has to have roads or room or a, you know, maintenance vehicle to come up if a train breaks down on the track. So they legally own the land in between those tracks and 10 to 15 feet on each side of the, uh, of, of both tracks. Right, right. And there's two okay, tracks yeah. there. It's, yeah. So in my opinion, they own those wells, right? Because the previous owners, you, you know what I'm saying? It looks like it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What if the hell did they do with the, all the dirt that they scraped up? Where did they put it? Well, the reports is like you said, I've been getting is that um, they dug a trench, they put a bunch of stuff in there, like precursor, uh, a bunch of that, that precursor that they were carrying, you know, and they dumped it in there. And um, I, you know, the rumor is is that they buried it. I don't know if that's true, but uh, it, the, you know, testing from um, oh. Testing from Purdue. Look, they handed these out in town. Purdue is doing testing. So read, do me a favor, read that to us. To so the people that oh, are yeah. listening. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll do you one better, too. We'll, uh, I'll take a picture real quick. I can send this well, to you, well, too. Well, no, no, no. I, I want you to read oh, okay. it because the, um, the people that aren't seeing the video can't see it. You know what I mean? So read it, read it and say what it says. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So it says, a Purdue University research team is seeking to help the communities impacted by the toxic uh, chemicals released during the burn. Um, basically, they're trying to get a grant to uh, do independent testing there, right? Um, they have the capacity to test the soil, riverbeds, and other services for dioxins, as well as other particulate matter, which the EPA is not, all right? In it's order to testing. seek a grant from them, huh? The EPA is not testing those that stuff. No, they haven't tested. They have not tested right, for dioxins at all. I'm saying I'm trying to clarify what you were saying. You said the yeah, EPA yeah, yeah. is not, so they're not performing tests. No, they're not. Just for people that. Uh, no, 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 they're not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just direct. I'm not. I'm not trying to be. <laughs> right. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, so, in order to seek a grant from the National Science Foundation. To fund this project, a clear justification is needed that the local community is seeking these tests. See, before you get a grant, you have to prove your hypothesis so that you can get the grant. That's what they want to do. They want to go there. They think dioxins have completely contaminated and, and, and decimated this town and are still poisoning this community, and they want to go there and test for that and prove that. So the rest of this document is this, right? Please fill out this form if you support Purdue University doing independent scientific tests, tests for toxins. This sign-up form is simply an expression of interest. Additional details will be provided once the grant is secured. So they're, they're collecting huh? signatures, right? Uh, well, no. That's I believe... that, no, that's what they're doing. They're saying if you agree with them being able to test it, because what they're going to do no. is take that those documents and all those signatures, and they're going to propose the grant, and that's how the yeah, that's how they're going to get it. They, it's just like if you mm -hmm. um, if you want a law passed, and mm -hmm. you want your name on the ballot, the more people that support that are going to sign it, the more people that support no, no, no. it are going to help get it approved. That's what they're trying to do is get you to sign it that you agree with them and you want them to do it so they can take it to get it approved by whoever it is that that oversees that. The, the scientist that is the head of this is down there right now. He's getting uh -huh. initial tests to prove his uh, his hypothesis. That's what's right. going to get the grant people. Right, but they're right. trying to get you well, to back is, it up as a, as a resident as well, which is good. Well, no. Good. What this is, he needs to get permission from people to do tests on their property. I have something called eminent domain. Right. So uh, he can't just come up and test your property. He has to have your permission. So this, what, what he's doing in advance is getting that permission. That, that, that's what this is. Well, why, you does know? He, why does he need to test people's property if he can test public property, if he gets the grant? If he gets a grant, then they're going to produce, they're going to mm. give him the ability to test public property. If he can test. So here's the thing. If he tests public property and it comes up that there's dioxins, it's going to be on your fucking private property too. It's not just, you know what I mean? So. I, I, I wonder who 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 is it that approves that grant? Do you know? The National Science Foundation, like it says in here. So is that a private grant? Then it's not a it's not a federal grant. I'm not sure. You could Google National Science Foundation and find out. I don't know about that one. Because I'm just kind of wondering yeah. if if they can't, you know what I mean? Like if they, if we can't even get funding for the residents. How the mm. fuck are they going to get a grant from the government? I don't know. We'll have to find out, you know. Um, I don't know if that's a, uh, what that foundation, um, you know, if it's governmental or not. You know, we, you should Google that while, while I read this other part. Of what's, it, what's it called? Yeah. National Science Foundation. 
Um, let me read this other part while you're looking that up. So participation in yeah, the study like the would. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But participation in a study would include chemical testing of the home and water of those who want it. Results for each home would be kept private and only released to the Pacific homes of each test. The data will be blinded and made anonymous so that broad scientific conclusions can be made. So basically, they're not going to release your public information, but the data will still be in the study and posted publicly. As yeah. yeah, exactly. I got you. Um, so the leader of the proposed study is Professor, uh, I'm sorry, Professor Andrew Welton. That's A-N-D-R-E-W. And then Welton is W-H-E-L-T-O-N, right? Now, what I want to tell people is, you know, and I'm glad you looked up the National Science Foundation. We found this government on industry. I don't, I don't think this man should only rely on them. I think that, you know, we could publicly crowdsource fundness for this man. And I feel like we need to reach out to him to be able to do that, I, you know? I, I, you know what's crazy is I've been hearing a lot of um, talk about GoFundMe's being set up for crowdfunding for these people, and then not a single dime has went to any of them. So oh, no, what I'm saying is I'm sure yeah, you can find saying, his name me. and go to his university and donate to him personally for his right. research. You know, right. I wonder yeah. if we can uh, see about that, or I, I wonder as well. So the um in my in what I'm reading here, Corey, is the uh, NSF appoints Charles Chuck Barber as the chief diversity yeah. and inclusion officer. I wonder if people reach out to Mr. Uh, Barber there and kind of push the word too that you know they can get something going there too. Yeah, what is he doing? I didn't hear what you said. He's doing what? He he was appointed as the chief diversity and inclusion officer of the NSF. Okay, well, what does that have to do with this? Um, I'm confused. Uh, let me well, understand. I'm saying if we reach out, if we put pressure on the NSF, if we these people that are listening, maybe they can help speed along that that grant as well. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely, definitely. No, I agree with you. Yeah, and we and, and that's another route to take too. Um, so what they're collecting from this is this, right? Distance from train wreck and miles. You know, um, you know that if you're less than five, they have that on there too. Um, you know, he's going from five miles to a hundred miles. That's important. Right. Right. Now also, um, the question, one of the questions they ask is this, right? Uh, uh, have you experienced any physical symptoms since the, and they have this in quotes, right? You see that? Can you see that? What does that say in those quotes? Prescribed burn. Yeah. <laughs> That's important. What does that mean? If, yeah. Well, think about it, man. They what, lit what this thing on fire. Yeah, but what is well, prescribed burn? Prescribed burn. See, they called it a control burn. Yeah, but remember that? Asking if you're, if, what were they? What does that sentence say? Are they asking if you received a prescribed burn? Yeah, because of the way they lit it on fire. That's what I'm saying. What is it? What does prescribed burn even mean? I don't. I don't know what that well, even means. Well, let's break down what controlled burn means, and we'll figure that out via that answer. So, controlled burn, right? You Google that, you'll you'll see a definition come up, right? Like, what is a controlled burn, right? Oh yeah, and the top form of this. While you're doing that, this form is an expression of interest to have your home, property, or nearby area tested for particulate matter by independent scientific researchers from Purdue University. 
You know, the independent testing is important. That will prove this stuff. Yeah, I, I, I was under the impression that they were asking if you, as a person, re received the prescribed burn. So I was like, what the hell does prescribed burn mean yeah. to me as a person? But I see what you're saying now. I was I, I yeah. was confused. Yeah, yeah. Read, read off what the definition of a control burn is so, so that they understand. Control burning, also known as prescribed burning, involves setting planned fires to maintain the health of a forest or... or maintain the health of the environment yeah so they argued that they had to burn this to protect the environment it's pretty much what it was in my yeah. opinion they burned this and destroyed the environment it's known as a hazard reduction burning backfire swallowing so it's it's the purpose is to try to minimize the hazards to the environment not to stop it right why is this man saying it's a prescriber? Because he knows that they didn't have didn't exhaust the rest of their other options for this more than likely it would be my best guess, right? And, and that's why he's not calling it by a controlled burn, like what they're saying he's saying prescribed. And, you know, the man might be on to something. He might be. Well, and, I, um, I kind of wonder, though, Corey, if, if, um, if, they, if we had allowed the fire to continue with the train and not done the controlled burn, would it have eventually exploded and caused more death and de destruction than what it has? Because I'm glad way, you brought this up. E either way, yeah. either way, the dioxins were going to be released into the uh, environment, right? Either way, the chemicals were there. But had they not done the controlled burn, would it have exploded and, and caused more um, death, destruction, injury, that sort of thing to the people? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Let me um, tell you how these uh, train cars, that all these hazardous materials, what they all have on them. They have what's called a venting system. Remember that NST report where it was talking about the venting, right? Right. right. What it's talking about is there's vents in there to relieve the pressure of gases that may build up in these railroad cars. Right. Highly unlikely due to the venting system that this would explode. Also... There is a pressure released valve to where you could take these contaminants, right? Mm -hmm. Chemicals, whatever you want to call them, and transport them, you know, uh, basically take them out of one rail car and put them in a whole nother one. But it was on fire. So I wonder if they. No, no, no. I understand. But how many rail railroads, miles of railroad is there in Ohio again? You don't think there's a train that was near there that they could have brought up real quick or like a maintenance vehicle from like uh, the they, railroad yard, like a tanker? How would they have gotten huh? to where the derailment was if it was derailed? Well, the what I'm saying is there's railroad yards, there's railroad yards with, uh, I would imagine that they have some sort of maintenance vehicle, like a tanker of some sort at these rail yards. You know that are near the area. Uh, what, you know, you, you do you get what I'm saying? And I, I they do would get what you're them. saying, but I, I, yeah. The the what I'm saying is, is I don't. So number one, those venting systems are intended to be used for when the train's operational. So the venting system vents off extra pressure that's building up from natural um, evaporation of the gas inside the tank. Not when it's on fire. Yes. When that when those tankers were on fire. They were spewing gas out in the and faster than they could control it. It was coming out of the tank, so it was already creating the dioxin. So I don't, I don't see them being able to to transfer that chemical 
in the state that those trains were in and, and with them being on fire into a, a safe, you know, uh, maintenance vehicle. Uh, I'm saying it might've been an option. And did they could have even thinking it? it was, it was, let's, let's be honest. It was mishandled. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, oh yeah. Number one, there was no, so let's, let's talk about who was in charge of this, right? It was the fire department in the police department of East Palestine. Let's be completely honest with each other here, Corey. Those people were not prepared. They did not have the proper PPE to be doing this, okay? They no. had no idea. And and this is not a slide on them at all because, I mean, they did a great job to their capability. But they did not have the capabilities to handle this. And I guarantee that it's going to come out that a lot of that was mismanaged and a lot of it was done incorrectly not because of their their lack of communication or their lack of ability, just because they didn't have the proper equipment to do this, right? Right. Well, oh. I'm glad you brought this up too, right? So those wells, if you uh, look at the depths of those, they're between, what, 25 to 55 feet deep. So oh. the three different well drilling experts, they install wells, they take them out, they seal them, they put uh, contaminant barriers on them, you know, independently from each other, independent conversations, three of them, okay? All the record, because they didn't want to go on record with this, because this is some pretty crazy stuff. They they state that those trains going back and forth, the vibration of them and how deep these wells are would cause them to crack in multiple locations. Right. And if we know that there's water in there based off of that data I just gave you too, as you see, you know, that means these chemicals went straight up in there as well. You know, now what's important about this, about the firefighter response, I want to paint the picture for you. There's what, roughly 50, 70 fire departments that showed up at the same time, right? I have no idea. Well, it's something like that. Yeah, it's like 50, 70 fire departments, right? Between some, somewhere between there. Um, I'm, I'm sure we could Google that real quick too, but um, the, the amount of, Fire departments just showed up. That sounds like 50 to 70 fire chiefs at the same time trying to gain control of the situation. That sounds like a bureaucratic fucking nightmare if I ever heard of one, right? Right. That's where the miscommunication comes into play. And then also, you got to think, mm. never in the in, – in, in, me and you have talked about this several times. We've never experienced this type of spill, right? Yeah. This type of train derailment in the United States. So – these fire departments, I mean, we have. they're not. No, we out. have 2012 Paulsboro, New Jersey. Uh, there was a train derailment that was carrying some final chloride. I think it's about 20,000 gallons actually was in there and it actually spilled and ruptured. And I believe if I recall, that was a DOT 111 car as well. Right. But I'm saying our fire departments are not prepared for these types of this, this type of shit. They're, they don't have yeah. proper equipment to clean it up correctly. So that's where Mike DeWine should have made a decision to send in a government agency to start cleaning up. And the reason why he didn't do that is because he, this is what he's saying. He wanted, he wants Norfolk Southern to be responsible for the, 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 the uh, collateral damage and the, um, the money aspect of, of having to pay to clean this up. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I understand. And technically, it is their land that they own, too. The railroad owns that land where this happened. Do they own it, though, or do they just have right-of-way? Do they have eminent domain through the state? Because of eminent domain, because they have to have right-of-way, they own it. Yes. 
They have to maintenance and take care of that land. Do they do? Do you know that they definitely own it though? Well, yeah. I mean, what's in eminent domain? There's there's eminent domain for roadways and things like that. That doesn't mean it's owned by that company. That it's, means it's their responsibility, is, is what I'm right, saying. Right, right. So, but but the problem is, is that if they're not capable of cleaning it up to where it needs to be done, then that's when the government needs to step in and oversee it. Yes, hundred percent. And you know, the tracks were put up by all the reports I've seen, and you know, the you know, multiple news agencies have reported on this already. Forty-eight hours after, yeah, this, this that's whole great. That's, yeah. that's fucking mind blowing to me, man. Do you think but, they removed all that contaminated dirt, or do you think they put the tracks right on top of that contaminated? They buried that shit, man. They buried it. It's still there. I guarantee that. Yeah. But you yeah, know, and, with them, with them, with with your point of them of saying eminent domain and they own it, do you ever think that anybody's going to be able to get on that fucking property to test it? Hell no, they're not going to let them. Not well, let them. but uh, hey, we do have to. Um, we've been going hmm. for about two hours, man. We do got to. I do. I do got to get 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 to get. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. I, t- that's I told cool. you there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, man, I think we should maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do a part two next week if you're down. Part two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Can, um, if you want to, we can do it this weekend. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, sure. We can do part two on mine. Are you, um, you free tomorrow? Or not tomorrow, but um, this weekend, like uh, Sunday. I mean, no, I got. Uh, I'll talk. I'll talk to you about that off air. Um, but well, I, we can do it a week from now. That'd probably be better, anyway. Well, We'll talk about it once we get down here. We'll talk before yeah. when I stop the recording or whatnot. Um, yeah, sure. Let me let me do this. I always like to get the final thoughts of um, yeah, me and, and me and me and the guest. What what's your final thoughts, bro? My final thoughts is that those wells underneath there they were not tested. If you guys go to my Facebook group, Grandma's Front Porch, you'll actually see some of the documentation that I posted on there that I did not show here tonight. Um, of the remedial action plan, they reference two of these wells, and their exact words are this, right? And I'm going to paint the whole picture for you after this. Um, wells located between the two active tracks will be avoided whenever possible. Collection of data from these locations involves substantial risks at little additional value relative to the wells outside of the immediate track footprint. Um, when you ask the EPA, FEMA, Mike DeWine, and also as well, uh, Norfolk Southern uh, experts, the locals, you know, they asked them why they're knocking on the doors, coming around. Mike DeWine's wife's handing out cookies, mind you, with uh, tainted water, you know, that she made them with in the city. The, the, the residents are pissed. They don't want these cookies, you know, because they want the shit fixed. And then also, you know, you think about it, when you ask them these things, they divert the questions. They don't even answer it about these wells. Okay. If these wells are contaminated, if they have a system, you know, that is abandoned, like, you know, someone needs to do 811 up there, you know, because we need to see if there's an abandoned system, well, uh, you know, of like utility system, like gas lines or something like that, you know, or water water lines, you know, that might connect to those. Are they connected to the main system still? Are they not testing for the right things that they are connected to the main system at the water treatment plant, for example? You know, I believe that those chemicals are in those wells because they're crap because they're well experts and nobody's tested those, you know, right. and there's, and there's, there's six of them. Four of them are right underneath where the derailment is or, or, or very close by. You get what I'm saying? Right. And also, I believe the one-mile radius for, you know, their um, uh, that Arcadis did, for, that's who was the EPA hired for the remedial action plan. I believe it's bullshit. You know, the, like I mentioned earlier, there's reports as far as Canada and as far as Virginia that I have 
as far as like how far this fume went and the residue came down and the residents cleaned up this fume with no gloves on mind you when they came back because they didn't know they didn't know you know and no one told them those are the oxins that they're touching skin to skin contact with this you know and then the animals the ecological uh ramifications of this you know you gotta realize there's an aquifer underneath there uh, the Hunter Department of Agriculture has maps of those on their website as well. There's a huge aquifer underneath there that, you you, you know, could be contaminated as well, you know. Right. Um, who's to say the aquifer isn't attached to other water systems? I, I don't know how far it goes because I haven't taken it. You know, I'm going to have a geologist look at this this, this weekend, actually, tomorrow. Um, and I have another geologist that's going to go down there and do, like, some soil samples himself and stuff. What's crazy about this is that, you know, those wells are more likely cracks, man. And and when the fire department came out there, they dumped gallons of water out on the vinyl chloride that was already spilled because the temperature is, what, 50, 60 degrees that night? Um, vinyl chloride's boiling points, what, like 8 degrees Fahrenheit, I believe? Um, you're looking at a fire situation. Firefighters showed up. Bureaucratic nightmare. They dumped a bunch of gallons on their cracked wells. And then you have the water table in Ohio, the soil. It's, right. it's not, like, as solid as, like um, – uh, another state like Utah or something like that, for example, because we're in a giant basin. We're in between two mountain ranges. All right. And then that town is in a basin itself. That soil has contaminants will seep down into it faster than any other where and deeper, you know, um, let's, let's, I believe those chemicals down in there and I want them tested. Let's dig, let's dig into that on part two, man. Let's, uh, we'll get, yeah. we'll get into oh, yeah. that more. Cause that's, that's definitely fascinating. So, um, what what I'm gonna do, man, is I'll plug your um, grandma's front porch is uh, Corey's podcast. You guys go check that out. That podcast is um, definitely one of the uh, better podcasts that I've listened to. Um, and Corey just needs need some support with that podcast. So you guys go check that out. Um, I think we dug into a lot of information tonight, man, and um, I look forward to having you again. Um, either me going on your podcast next week or you coming on mine, but, but, um, we're going to definitely tear it apart. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we'll definitely end up doing uh part two of this, uh, because this, this is only scraping the bottom of the barrel, man. You don't even understand. It's, it's right. wild. Right. There's a lot yeah. to it, man, but we'll, we'll get into it. Hey guys, um, tune in on uh, next week's episode. I am going to have a microbiologist and a virologist on um, the podcast. So I'm going to talk about you know, younger Dryas theory, um, probably talk about some of the shit that's been going on with the climate and that sort of thing. But we uh, definitely appreciate you guys listening. Go follow us on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, all that shit, man. We're there for you. But uh, until next week, I will uh, see you guys then.